Hey friends, welcome to the Publish, Promote, Profit podcast. I'm Rob Kosberg, and every week I show you how to use a best-selling book to grow your income and your impact. And if you're interested in having your own best-selling book, I recorded a short video explaining our trademarked process at beginmybook.com. All right. Hey, welcome, everybody. It's Rob here for another episode of the Publish, Promote, Profit podcast. I have a great guest for you today. We were just having a really cool conversation. I wish I recorded some of that, but hopefully we'll be able to repeat some of those things. Uh, Ginny Upal is no stranger to driving contrary and innovative thinking. Uh, Upal's 20-plus years of experience driving transformational growth by challenging norms in business is key to her success in Fortune 500 telecom, e-commerce, and retail companies, and we'll talk a little bit about that. In her award-winning book, In Action or In Action, Rethinking the Path to Results, uh, Ginny explores the downside of the prevalent cultural bias for action, even when it's unnecessary or counterproductive. Her book is the 2021 gold winner in business nonfiction books from Reader's Views. Congratulations on that, Ginny, and thanks so much for being on the podcast today. Excited to have you on. It is such a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me, Rob. I was telling you, I love your contrarian approach. I love the title of your book. I love that it creates some mystery around is it inaction or is it in action, which clearly it's more inaction, uh, but it's a combination. So talk to me about uh, maybe first, just like set the table a little. What do you primarily do right now? Are you primarily consulting to Fortune 500s? Uh, give me a little vision of, of who you're serving and what you're doing, both yourself and with your book. For sure. Um, I'll tell you my background. I, I originally am from India and I moved to the US for grad school. And my background predominantly is working for companies, a corporate. I've always described myself as a corporate type. Yeah. However, within these large, larger corporations, I've always been the person to disrupt things because I'm a technologist. Yeah. There was this word that came into uh, fashion a few years ago, that of an intrapreneur, somebody who does, you know, startup and innovative stuff from within a large company. So right. I was that person. I also have a background in e-commerce retail, which is a world where uh, I don't know if you're familiar, but Amazon, which is the largest companies, has uh, one of their values is to have a bias for action. Mm. So two years ago, I would have been the person to describe myself as action-oriented. I have a bias for action. You know, I'm the action gal. Where no kidding. Everybody, right? Everybody is worried and I'm the one, no, let's do it. Uh, in fact, I wrote an article and the title of the article was Just Do It. <laughs> <laughs> so I had drunk the Kool-Aid on why action is the way to progress. Sure. Clearly, I have a slightly different view right now. I'm not dismissing the role of action, but this book is really, it started as a question in my mind because in the middle of the pandemic, I found myself without a conventional job, didn't like it. Mm. And I thought I was wasting time because I wasn't doing what I usually do. And in reflecting in my own career where I've had a few pivots, I've made some big moves, I realized normally my story is I did this. I took this action, which is why I got the result. I failed to notice until then that before that period of action, there was always a period of reflection. Hmm. It's difficult to talk about because there's nothing happening, right? I'm thinking, what does that mean? Yeah. So people like me, we love talking about the action we took. 
It's yeah. hard to acknowledge those moments of pause. So I wrote the book as an answer to the question, what really drives progress? Hmm. Tangible action or reflective moments of pause? Uh, and here I am. I, In terms of what am I doing now, I'm talking about the book, planning my next move in my career, which I know involves working with corporate America in some way, shape or form. Yeah. Uh, I'm still in the middle of the transition. So we'll see where this goes. Yeah. yeah. So you're in the inaction phase of the next iteration then, right? I'm in the strategic inaction. Strate I, yes, yes. Not like you're right? not doing anything. Here you are. So yes. I'm doing inaction. something. There's some thoughtful pausing and then thoughtful doing and then pausing and yep, yeah. something Very like cool. that. Well, I'm excited about reading it and I'm um, looking forward to learning myself, but maybe set us up. Tell us a little bit about what the steps look like. I imagine that there's a secret sauce within it or, you know, steps of strategic inaction. Can you talk about that just a little bit? What does somebody need to look for? That's a good question. And, and because a lot of your audience are either authors or going to be authors, I wrote the book uh, more as a descriptive book and not a prescriptive book. It's not a formula for success. Okay, I'm making a claim that even though most of us think that action is what leads to great to results or success, I am saying occasional moments of pause, stepping back every now and then will actually get you a bit better results. Mm. Because when you take that pause or when you step back, a better idea is going to come up. Right. That's right. the idea to take action on. So it isn't about twiddling your thumbs or doing nothing. Yeah. It's about it's our tendency. We our tendencies to keep going, going, going. We don't allow creativity to come through because we're on this hamster wheel of right. action. And that's, you know, the book cover was designed to indicate that most of our lives, we are not taking action. We are reacting in reaction. Mm. So the book is to raise awareness at this of the behavioral tendency. At the same time, I have stories because I interview people. So through the stories of people, there are examples of yeah. what that might look like. It could be a pause, a verbal silence of a few seconds in the middle of a meeting, hmm. a negotiation, a confrontational conversation. It could be as short as that. Hmm. It could be a sabbatical of a year or two. And both these stories are, you know, it's all in the book. Yeah. So what that looks like, it's a way of being rather than a way of doing. Yeah. Um, but there are stories and maybe we'll, we'll talk about some of them or what that might look like. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because that was exactly the next question I had was tell me what this looks like and give me the, your favorite story. I don't care long, short, but the yeah. one that for whatever reason impacted you the most and uh, kind of right. sets this in, in stone. I'll tell you a story that has become a favorite, I think, for others, because I get asked about okay. it a lot. Okay. It's uh, the story of a CEO of a medical imaging company, which is global. And he was informed about the death of a child on a machine made by his company. Mm -hmm. And normally, and this is a, you know, it's a crisis. And especially when it comes to the role of a CEO or a business leader, the idea is when a crisis happens, you need to spring into action, right? You don't want to run away from the problem. You got to show up, face it. You got to be in front of everybody. So this CEO, I've known him for about 10 years. He shared with me that, you know, in my industry, there is a playbook. When something like this happens, what do I, what is a CEO supposed to do? Lawyer up, call an emergency staff meeting, issue a gag order. What this person did, instead of all of that, he went for a walk, hmm. for a two-hour walk. 
And he shared with me, I knew that my brain is going to get contaminated with all sorts of advice of what to do. But before that happened, I wanted to become conversant with what is a once in a lifetime experience for a CEO. I won't get into the details of what happened. Clearly, it was a great success. He did take some steps afterwards, which led, which were unexpected, all sorts of, like he saved money. There were quality improvement programs. They were absolved of any responsibility for the child's death. Like amazing results came out of it. The interesting thing out of the story, which I find interesting is we convince ourselves that, you know what, sometimes you have to take action. I have to because I am in this role or this is the situation. And my contention is, no, you can always take a pause. Hmm. And the pause doesn't have to be a long one. In the bigger scheme of things, a two-hour walk for the CEO was nothing. Right. The results that he actually had a financial gain, which he he's like, I could not have spent enough money to get this benefit. Right. So that's an example of what you ask, what does that look like? It could be a few minutes of stepping away in the middle of a crisis so that you just reconnect with your principles, Mm. with yourself, and then take the right action from there. Yeah, very good. Great example. Probably even good that you you didn't really tell what happened because I'm very intrigued to find out what happened and I'm I'm hoping that he acted in humanity and uh he and did. in love. Yes. <laughs> yep, yep. He he connected with his principles. He was yeah. like, what would I do on the walk? I asked myself, what would I do if this were my child? Right. What would I do if this was my family? Right. And it's interesting how healthcare companies or any company in their brochures will say, we're there for you. Right. And this person until, took action until, you yeah. know, it's a crisis and I've got to cover my bases. Right. So this person walked, walked the talk. And, yeah. and of course, I'll share a little more. I asked him, what was the reaction of your leadership? Because the fact that he he did some unusual things, he actually flew to the scene of the incident. And I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, because I've had senior corporate roles, I'm like, you could be identified as a rogue leader because you didn't follow the playbook. <laughs> you did something yeah. completely different. So did you get into trouble? And he said, you know, from the gen, and he took some risks. Yeah. He said, the general counsel gave me a slap on the wrist, but my leadership was aligned with me because I acted from principles. Our principles were aligned. Mm. So all the more reason, and I feel it's, it substantiates the idea that when we take action under duress, under stress, we are likely going to detach yeah. from yeah. our principles. So mm. take that pause. If nothing else, just reconnect with your principles and your value system. Very good. Great. Thanks for finishing the story. <laughs> <laughs> I Thank you for I prompting. St- I mean, this is unusual. I, I still like, want to read want- it. Yeah, well, you when you hear it. that story, you're, you're envisioning, at least I was envisioning that the walk was thinking about his values, thinking about mm-hmm. if I was the father, I have three children myself. If I was the father of that child, what would yep. I want? How would I feel? I wouldn't want a playbook, right? And so right. I would hope that there's humanity in the response. And, uh, and it's good to hear that things worked out so positively because, you know, there is the old adage that no good deed uh, goes unpunished. That old negative adage, um, you know, some it, it's there for a reason. It's been said, you know, because that does tend to happen sometimes. So it's good to hear that it didn't happen in this case and that his reflective time was uh, was really positive. So great point. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Talk to me about about the why of the book. I, I assume that, you know, because you were 
you were one way for so long that either something happened or transformed within you, and then that led to motivation to write these things down. But I would rather hear that from you. Like, what, what you know, what happened within you, and and why did you decide to write it? This topic, uh, I think it is true. Perhaps you know this. You've spoken to a lot of authors. People write about subjects that either intrigue them the most or they struggle with it the most. Mm. In my case, frankly, this topic is a struggle for me. Mm. Like I said, I've always been the action-oriented person. Right. I also have a meditation practice going back to 2008. And meditation is all about reflecting and being in observation. And uh, I don't know. I, I feel like I've. this has always been a bit of a contention within me, like the side of me that wants to jump into action, move fast, break yeah. things, you know, like yeah. I'm from a tech world, fail fast, break things was a mantra. <laughs> and then there is this other side of me that has always instinctively known now is not the time. And then so there's a struggle and it, it happens even now. Interestingly, when I speak to people about the book, a lot of people tell me back that, you know, I know I should take a pause, I should take a break, but it's very difficult, or I feel guilty in giving myself a break, right? or I feel like I'm going to miss out. So apparently, the struggle that I have, I'm not alone. Mm. We all instinctively know that now is not the time to do something to take that action, but we struggle. So I wrote the book, I guess, for me to understand what the heck is going on here in my mind. Yeah. The, the specifics of how it came about, I never meant to write a book. It wasn't on my list of things to do ever. Um, I had, you know, enrolled for a public speaking training class to help me in my future corporate career. And because I wanted to learn storytelling, like I'm good at communication, but maybe not so good at storytelling. I wrote a speech out of that training as an academic exercise, sent it to a friend for feedback. And he said, Ginny, why isn't this a book? And I said, where did that come from? <laughs> like, who said anything about a book? Yeah. And at that time, I didn't have anybody in my close set of circle, like friends or family who had written a book. My first reaction was, no way. I don't have time. I'm not a storyteller. I'm not a book writer. But I decided to research into what does what goes into writing a book so I can make an informed no. And uh, as you probably can imagine, when you do research on something that is very intimidating or foreign, it becomes familiar. Yeah. Right? It's like, oh, okay, now I understand. (laughs) And then the rest, I think, is good luck. I found the right book writing program, the right publisher, and uh, well, boom, here I am. (laughs) Nice. Nice. Very, very good. There's an element of the book, and your book may not address it at all. So if it doesn't, just say, nah, that's not really Mm -hmm. what it is. But but when I saw the kind of contrarian approach and the rather than getting in action, mm-hmm. being in action uh, or having in action, I, I thought of like uh, Gary Vaynerchuk and a bit of the kind of hustle environment and culture that, you know, a lot of people live in. Do you address mm-hmm. that at all in the book? That whole, I don't know, like subculture of hustle. Right, right. Interestingly, when I was writing the book, I wasn't thinking about it. But since then, you know, the great resignation, hustle culture, mental health has become such a big topic that very often I do get asked the question. And let me let me respond to you a little bit this way. 
I did used to follow Gary Vee and uh, I have lived and worked in Bay Area. So I'm very, very familiar with the Silicon Valley Bay Area culture as well. That, yeah. You know, the, yeah. the, the putting everything at stake, working 80 hour weeks and uh, putting every last penny into the startup, sleeping in the basements of your parents or friends and becoming rich one day, becoming a billionaire. Right. And those stories are very glamorous, the stories of the hustle. But I have for years, and I follow these stories the last 10 or so years, uh, I've always felt that this is representing a very small cross-section of society, people who are wired, who have that kind of energy level, they're almost crazy obsessed. Mm. It doesn't follow to me that you have to live that life to be wildly successful. Mm. In the book, I share the story of a different set of entrepreneurs which lived a very contrarian, their behavior was in complete conflict. And I'm going to share the story with you. The story is told by Adam Grant, who is an author, you you know him. And he shared this in his TED talk that two of his students came to him asking him to invest in their business idea. This is post 2008 crisis. I forget the exact years, all of that is in the book. And he's like, Oh, great. And uh, so are you guys have you guys been working on this all summer? And they said, No, we have we were doing other things. And he said, okay, so when you graduate, are you going to go all in? Is this what you're going to do? And they said, no, we've lined up backup jobs. The way they were talking about their startup idea, it made Grant rightfully think they're not serious. Right. They are not right. bullish. They are not obsessed. They are not crazy people. They're not going to live in their parents' basement and do this. <laughs> so he declined to invest. The business those two people started is called Warby Parker. Hmm. Yeah. And it went public last year in 2021 to a valuation of many billion dollars. So, and these people, do you know what their names are? Warby do, Parker? <laughs> I, that, most people don't know. I know one of them and I always forget the other, Neil Blumenthal. I forget the other, Davidson. These are not glamorous people. These right. are not on social media declaring right. their lifestyle like Gary Vee. So, I am hoping that I'm one of the few who's presenting these other stories yeah. where they de-risk themselves. Nothing wrong with de-risking yourselves. Yeah. What Gary Vee is talking about, and I do like, I, I think nowadays he's also started talking about taking a break and he not has. killing yourself. He has. Not burn out. But he's, he's the best example I could think of for the hustle culture. The hustle <laughs> line, yeah. So yeah, I think I'm, not that I'm against hustling, but I think hustle culture, which is a lifestyle. Yeah. Over years and years of working 80 hour weeks, it's not sustainable. Don't kill no. yourself. No, I agree. I agree. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Let's shift gears. Let's talk about the book. I know that it just came out a few months ago. And so, uh, as we said, you know, what has happened in the last few months versus what's going to happen in the next couple of years as you use the book, probably going to be very different. But I always like to talk about, okay, what is your plan? How are you using the book? You know, what good things have already happened? perhaps, from your publishing of the book, uh, not the least of which is being on a prestigious show like this one. Uh, <laughs> For sure. <laughs> totally facetious, by the way. Right. But what good has come and what is your hope? I now think of this as one of the best personal development things you can do. It's, oh, wow. it's almost a spiritual development. <laughs> it changes your inner wiring. You will not publish a book without having changed forever. Mm. You won't get to the finish, finish line without, and you speak to authors all the time, you know this. Yeah. In terms of more material gains, I am. it's still a recent thing for me, but I'll tell you one thing I've noticed. People who would not have been interested in me taking my call or talking to me, 
seem to be more interested. Like in book writing world or story writing world, there's this concept of hook writing. You know, you start the chapter with a hook, which gets the reader involved. The fact that I've written a book is a hook. Yeah. I remember this woman, I wanted to reach out to career advice. She wouldn't respond to me. But when I wrote and said, I'm writing a book, I'd like to interview you. Of course she did. (laughs) Right. And there are people who have coffee with me now because something about book writing was intriguing or the subject matter is intriguing, like you said. So again, I don't know what will happen in the next two couple of years, but I am just, I don't have words to describe how grateful I am that I have become a different person because of it. And in some cases, that is going to make me an interesting person for other people to do business with. And I, I would not underestimate the power of that, even though I couldn't tell you tangibly where it's helpful. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, it sounds like eventually you're going to dive back into some of the consulting in the Fortune 500 world. And uh, for those that don't know you, your book will go ahead of you. Uh, all you have to do is send it on ahead of you. It will do the work. It will open the doors. I mean, we have clients that sign, you know, multi six figure consulting gigs just because they sent their book in advance and then followed up. And, you know, it is still about the relationship and making sure that there's a connection there. But but yeah, I would assume that a lot of that is going to happen, and I look forward to hearing about it. So, uh, thank you. Know. you. That all sounds very promising. <laughs> Congratulations again on it. Um, thank you. Uh, tell us where can people learn more about you? Where can they perhaps get the book, etc.? Connect with you. Uh, my first and last name is pretty unique, so I'm easy to find. My website is probably the best way to contact me, jinnyopal.com. So it's J-I-N-N-Y-U-P-P-A-L.com. The book is available everywhere uh, you buy books online. So Amazon, Barnes & Noble. I am what is known as an indie author. Yeah. So bookstores will carry it. If you ask them, they'll get it for you. And some bookstores have it. But for the most part, it's an online online play. Hey, that's where people buy books anyway, Jenny. So these right. days. <laughs> yeah. Jenny, thanks so much for being on. Great to talk to you. Really in, intrigued. Can't wait to read your book, which I'm looking forward to to getting a copy of it and going through it. I love your contrarian approach. I love your hook. You, you did a great job with it. So thanks again for being on and congratulations. Thank you so much for having me. This was such a nice conversation. My pleasure. Hey, thanks for listening in on the Publish, Promote, Profit podcast. If you enjoyed it, please take a minute and like and subscribe to the podcast because every week I bring you either great guests or great teaching to help you to grow your income and your impact with a best-selling book. And if you're interested in having your own best-selling book, check out my short video which explains our trademark process at beginmybook.com.